Today I am going to begin a brand new teaching. Actually, it's a continuation of Christian philosophy. And I took scriptures from Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. And I talked about how Satan steals from us and spoils us through the way we think. Not just individual thoughts, but a paradigm, a worldview, a way of looking at things. And basically what I was doing was talking about essential Christian philosophy, such as the Word of God is absolute, inspired by God. It has to be a basis that God is a good God, that God is not the source of our problems and all of these kind of things. And that's what I call Christian philosophy. What I'm doing is beginning a Christian philosophy too today. But instead of just theological issues, I'm going to start talking about what the Bible has to say about social issues, about current issues that every one of us deal with, such as homosexuality and abortion. And we're going to be talking about other things. And before I get into that, let me just first of all establish my right as a minister to say this. And you know, the very first thing I feel like I have to do is to come against a philosophy, a way of thinking that has become prevalent today among Non-Christians, it's nearly 100%, and sad to say, even among a lot of Christians, they have adopted a philosophy that ministers should just talk about eternal things, and we should stay in the church and have an opinion in the church on things, but then leave the secular world, the uh, everyday life, to the unbelievers. And there shouldn't be a place in a public square for... Uh, speaking out on moral issues. And there's, sad to say, a lot of people have embraced that. If you watch my programs when I had David Barton on, uh, we discussed this uh, to a degree, talking about this phrase, the separation of church and state. And people have taken that to be that, you know, there shouldn't be any religious or faith-oriented things in the public square, that all of that should be uh, confined within the doors of a church and it ought to be a privately held conviction and we shouldn't say things publicly. And I tell you, we showed from historical fact that the founding fathers, every single one of them, did not believe that you shouldn't have morality and godly ministers speaking out on things. As a matter of fact, the majority of the people that signed the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution here in the United States were Christian people who held to godly values, used the Bible. I forget all of the details now. You could go back to our website and you could find those programs and look this up. But there are literally hundreds of references in our Constitution and other things uh, to things that were directly from Scripture. They didn't necessarily quote a chapter and verse, but it was Christian values put into these documents. So my point is that, you know what, this is not correct that we should just withdraw within the walls of a church and not speak out on moral issues of the day. And before I can even begin to start saying the things that I want to say during this series, I've got to first of all counter this logic because there are a lot of people, even Christians, when I start talking about abortion and about uh, homosexuality, there are people that will take offense. Even if you agree with me, there are people that will take offense and say a minister has no business teaching on these things you know, outside of a church in a format like what I am. I'm on television and we're literally being seen all over the world. There's a potential of 2.2 billion people every day to watch this program. 
Now, certainly not that many people watch, but there are millions of people that watch, and there will be some Christians who think that I'm straying from the Bible. But the Bible has everything to say about moral issues. And I tell you, if the church withdraws from the public forum and gets to where it just operates within the walls, that's the reason that the ungodliness is advancing and making the uh, uh, victories and the strides that it is today is because a lot of Christians have been basically intimidated back inside of the walls of their church, and they hold it as a private opinion. And that is not the right way to do things. Let me just use this scripture. Now, this is an amazing passage of scripture out of uh, Leviticus chapter 19. And it says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. And the next verse says, Thou shalt not avenge uh, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Of course, Jesus quoted from this exact passage of Scripture and this phrase about love others, uh, the way you love yourself, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you, is a phrase that is often used and we apply it in ways that I can't say are incorrect, but incomplete. If you take this in its context, when it's talking about loving your neighbor as yourself, go back to the verse right in front, verse 17. It says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart, Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Now this, you got to remember that men are the ones that put the chapter and verse divisions in there. This is not a separate thought. This isn't a disjointed thought. This is closely linked to the very next sentence talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. And this says that don't hate these people, but you tell them the truth. You rebuke them and not suffer sin upon them. And so let me just use this verse to say this, that when people have a strong moral conviction about what is right and wrong based on the Word of God, and if we are afraid to voice our opinion because we are thinking people will come against us and say you're in hate speech and you're, uh, you're just trying to condemn people and whatever the reasons are, whatever the criticism that comes our way, if you back up and don't speak the truth, because of the criticism and the persecution that comes your way, then you can philosophize this away and you can sit there and say, oh, well, I'm just trying to uh, let them know that we love them or whatever. But you know, the truth is, according to these verses, you hate that person in your heart. You actually are esteeming yourself because you don't want to suffer the persecution and the criticism that will come your way if you stand up and say the truth. You know, I can say this. Uh, when I teach on things like this, there's going to be people that get mad at me and hate me and there will be hate mail. I hate to even mention this because not only do I get the people who disagree with me that let me know about it, but then the people who do agree with me say you shouldn't be apologizing. I am not apologizing. I'm going to say what God's put on my heart. I'm just trying to use this as an illustration to say that, you know what, I am aware that when I begin to start speaking out and saying this is right and this is wrong, when you have a strong conviction and no longer is everything relative, 
and that different strokes for different folks. No, there's certain things that are right all of the time and certain things that are wrong all of the time. And when you say that, I know that there's going to come criticism and I've been criticized. I've been kicked off of television stations and radio stations. I've been uh, monitored. There are certain outlets that we broadcast our program on that won't accept everything that I say. Now, this has been going on for years and I don't usually make an issue out of this and I'm not going to mention any names or, or identify which stations or networks they are but there are certain networks that edit my program or either refuse to play them and we have to edit them and cut out what they consider to be offensive things and I don't think there's a single thing I say that's contrary to the word of God but there are things that are politically incorrect by today's standards and I've gotten criticism I've been censored over that and I'm aware that these things come. And if I was to back off and not speak the truth because of the criticism and the, uh, uh, the hate speech that's going to come towards me, then, you know, you could sit there and you could try and explain that way and just say I'm trying to show love to people. But the truth is it would be because I love myself and I don't want to deal with the rejection and I don't want to deal with the criticism. And so I'm actually loving myself more than I'm loving the other person. That's what this verse is talking about. It says you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. If you know the truth, if you know that homosexuality and abortion and other things that we'll be talking about are sins, and if you refuse to say the truth because you don't want the criticism, then according to this word, you actually hate that person. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you hate them in the sense that you want to do them uh, damage, but in comparison, you are exalting yourself. You are taking the easy way out because somebody's going to criticize you. And you could look at it and say that you are loving yourself more than your neighbor. And that is not the context of this. You have to get to where you love other people more than you love yourself. And I'm telling you, it is not hate speech to tell a person the truth. Now, I'm going to be bringing a lot of statistics, a lot of empirical facts to this. And I'm going to be using scriptures to show you what the Bible says. But a lot of people don't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. I mean, for me, the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin, so I don't need to go any further than that. To me, the Bible says that abortion is murder. I don't need to go any further than that. But I believe that there are some Christian people that honestly just don't know what the Word of God has to say. And they have listened to the world so long, they have been biased and prejudiced We've got a group of people that are growing up that this is the norm and that they don't have the scriptural uh, you know, compass, the moral compass to be able to judge things. And so I'm going to go through scripture and I'm also going to take statistical facts to show you how damaging these things are, not only from a biblical perspective, but even from a, a natural perspective. And the hope is I'm not under any delusion that I'm going to convert anybody who's already closed-minded and who is, uh, you know, just prejudiced and is prejudged. They aren't going to listen to reason. I don't think I can argue anybody into accepting this. But my prayer and my hope is that some people who are really Christian people and who love God and yet have not considered the word and haven't been presented the truth. I guarantee you, our secular world today is skewing the issue. 
They are making it look like homosexuality is totally normal in every sense of the word and it ought to be accepted as a normal lifestyle. That is not true according to scripture. It's also not true according to statistics. You know, I'll get into these and I'll verify this more, but just one point here that homosexuality, did you know that the average homosexual lives over 20 years less than a person who is not a homosexual? That is across the board. That's an average did you know that the government uh, demanded that we put a warning on cigarettes because it takes from 7 to 10 years off of your life? And they have mandated that and they ban smoking in certain places. And yet homosexuality is more than twice as deadly as smoking cigarettes. If there was any object objectivity, if people were being real and not prejudiced and biased and trying to be politically correct... If people were judging things just based on the merits of it, even forget morality for a moment, forget what the Bible has to say about it. If people were honest, I guarantee you they would be warning and speaking out against homosexuality because it is a destructive lifestyle. And yet, if I say things like that, there's people that will brand me as a hate monger. Again, I'm going to try and balance all of this and show you that I have friends of mine who have... Uh, had homosexual tendencies who have done things. I have dealt with that. They're still friends of mine. I haven't rejected them. I am not against the sinner, but I am against the sin. And I'm speaking out against it. And it's because I love people. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm saying that this is a destructive lifestyle. And I'm going to give you a lot of stats. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures that will prove this. And if you had any objectivity at all, you would have to come to that conclusion based not only on Scripture, but just based on empirical fact. There is nobody in a rational mind that didn't already have a prejudice and a prejudged position that they were not going to vary from if you were truly open. I guarantee you, stats, Scriptures, everything points to the destruction of homosexuality, abortion, all these other things that we'll be dealing with. And I'm saying these things not to incite people to anger and not to get them to where they treat homosexuals badly. I believe homosexuality is a sin, but I believe that adultery is a sin. I believe that lying is a sin. I believe that stealing is a sin. I believe lots of things are sin, but I don't hate those people. I minister love to them. I accept people. There is forgiveness. I just am saying that it is wrong, and in our day and culture... I believe it's Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. It says, in the last days, people will call evil good and good evil. I tell you, if any of you wonder whether we are in the last days, that ought to settle the issue right there because today people are calling homosexuality good and they're telling you that if you stick with your mate and love them, that something's wrong with you. It is completely backwards. Things that are good are now being called evil and you're being, if you stand up for the family and for morality, then you are being called a hate monger and a homophobe and they come up with all kinds of speech against you and it's the perverts that are called the normal people. Something is wrong with this picture and it just needs to be presented correctly. So again, I don't, I'm not under any delusions that people who are already uh, set in their ways are going to change. But I do want to share the truth with those of you who have any openness. If you honestly would say, well, if you could prove to me from the Word of God that these things are wrong 
If you could show me from statistics that it's a destructive lifestyle instead of something that is normal and to be accepted, well, then I would accept that. Well, I'm going to share those facts with you, and I believe it's going to help. You know, let me also use this example that one, I live up in the mountains of, uh, outside of Colorado Springs, and a number of years back, I was driving home at night, and it was really foggy. You could just barely see. And it was a mountain road, a twisty, turny mountain road, and a man passed me. And I mean, he only got just a few yards in front of me before I saw his lights, his brake lights come on, and his car jerked. You could tell that he had hit something or done something. So immediately, I slammed on my brakes, and I came to rest right beside his car. And I was over on the shoulder. He was parked in the center of the road. It was a two-lane road. And uh, he was parked in the center right where that stripe was. And he had hit a horse. And he hit this horse right in the rear of that horse. And it had caved in the inside, entire uh, windshield of his car. And he was laying there and had blood on him and had a lot of other stuff on him. His horse unloaded everything he had right in this guy's face. And anyway, the horse got hit in the rear and spun around and he was late. The car was kind of in the middle of the road and blocking one lane. The horse was blocking the other lane. And as I stood there looking at this, trying to assess the situation, a Suburban came around this corner and it was on a corner and the Suburban came around the corner and it was going 60 miles an hour. And that horse, uh, its rear end was just nearly totally gone. It was damaged and it couldn't get up, but it was still trying to get up. And it's, it had its head up and one of its front legs up. And as that Suburban came around the corner, it put its leg down and it just like launched that Suburban. That Suburban went right up the leg of that horse and just decapitated it right at the neck. We never did find the head and the neck of that horse. It was just gone. And that uh, Suburban launched in the air about five or six feet in the air, probably 50 feet long. It hit and it wobbled all over the place. There was a woman driving in. I ran up there to see how she was. And she had literally poked uh, the uh, roof of her car was up about three or four inches where her head had gone through that. So she was hurting. Her back was hurting. And here came other cars. So anyway, here's my point. Here was the situation, a real dark night, foggy, uh, both lanes blocked. It was right on a curve, people going 60 miles an hour. Did you know what I did? I ran back down the road and I, start, I got around that corner uh, where there was room enough for people to adjust and I started jumping out in front of cars. And again, it was a foggy night. They couldn't see me until they were nearly on me. And I was jumping out in front of cars that were going 50 and 60 miles an hour. People were hitting their brakes and skidding on the road. I had some people pull over on the shoulder of the road and get out and cuss me out. And they, they I'm sure, were thinking, what is wrong with this guy? But as soon as they got around the corner and saw the wreck, then they realized that, you know what, it's better for them to slow down and dodge me and go off on the side of the road than it was to hit this horse or to hit the car. And it was over 30 minutes before the police got there. I don't know how many people I stopped from hitting that. It could have been 30, 60 people in, in cars. And I'm sure that people hated me and thought all kinds of things about what are you doing and how dare you jump out and try and flag me down on a road at night. But, you know, if I would have taken any other course of action, if I would have just said, well, what are people going to think about me? 
if I jump out in front of their car. People are going to be mad at me. People are going to criticize me. And if I hadn't have done that just because I didn't want to suffer a little bit of persecution or a little bit of anger from somebody, then according to these verses, I would have hated those people. I would have thought so much about myself that I just was afraid to do anything that would upset anybody. And so I let them go around the corner and wreck. And people could have been killed. I guarantee you that would have been a very easy situation for multiple people to be killed. And then once the cars start piling up, who knows the damage that could have been done. There could have been dozens of people killed, certainly injured in that thing. And see, I believe it's the same thing. That there are things, there are destructive lifestyles that the Word of God speaks against. And if we are afraid of being called a homophobe or a hate speech or politically incorrect or whatever it is that people brand you with, if you don't speak the truth, you might sit there and say, well, I just don't want people to think I'm angry at them. The truth is you love yourself more than you love anybody else. And so I'm going to start speaking out on some of these social issues based on the Word of God, based on empirical statistics. Even many of them are provided by the gay and lesbian fund. I'm going to use their own stats to show you things. And what I'm doing is just trying to say that this is a wrong lifestyle. I'm not trying to get anybody to hate the homosexual, but to hate the sin and to recognize it's destructive. And Christians need to speak out and say that, yes, this is wrong. This is right. This is wrong. There ought to be an opinion. And we need a Christian philosophy, not only about theological issues, but we also need a Christian philosophy, a Christian way of viewing our social issues of the day. And we are the salt and the light of the earth. If we don't speak out, if we don't share the truth, well, then who is? We certainly can't depend upon the ungodly to sit there and have a moral compass and to understand what's right and wrong. Christians need to be in the marketplace. Christians need to be speaking the truth. It is love to tell a person the truth. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It's only the truth you know that sets you free. And I tell you, things are being twisted and perverted today. According to Isaiah chapter 5, I believe it's verse 20, it says in the last days people will call evil good and good evil. We are seeing that perversion work today and people are being told that for people to stand up and say that homosexuality is a sin and it's wrong, that that is what's wrong and that this is hate. And they're branding those people who stand up and speak out for what has been traditionally Morality for thousands of years, certainly in this country in the last couple of hundred years, there has been a a consistent stand against this. You could go back into the histories of any nation and when they openly begin to start promoting immorality and the breakdown of the family and homosexuality, those nations haven't lasted once they do that. You can find that in Scripture. I'm going to be talking about this from... Romans chapter 1, you can go back in history and find it. When the uh, Roman Empire began to just start being, I mean, indulging in so much immorality and they had these public baths and homosexuality became rampant. Did you know that that spelled the end of the Roman Empire? The scripture says that sin is a reproach to any people, but righteousness will exalt a nation. And I guarantee you living in a, a sinful lifestyle that 
such as homosexuality and abortion that is killing people and all of these things. This is destructive to society. It's not just a church issue or a secular issue. It is something that affects all of us. And I believe that it's appropriate to speak out on this. You know, in Proverbs chapter 8, let me turn over and read this passage of Scripture to you. There's, there's a lot of scriptures. I'm just picking a few of these. But in Proverbs chapter 8, and I believe it's verse 13, the scripture says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. You know, the scripture says that you are supposed to hate evil. And this isn't only in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, in Romans chapter uh, 12 and verse 9, it says, um, let me turn over there and read that lest I misquote this. You know, while I'm getting there, let me just make this point. That I got an email, I read it last night, and there was a person that when I had David Barton on, uh, we were talking about homosexuality, and I had thought that homosexuality was a relatively recent issue that people in previous generations didn't deal with it. It wasn't out in your face and open like this. And David Barton had made a, gave an example about how George Washington in the Continental Army actually had a man who was drummed out of the army. And he was talking about that they played the drums. You know, you've heard this phrase, somebody's being drummed out of the corps or something like this. And he made the comment that they would... Uh, you know, use drums, and to the beat of the drums, they stripped this person of all of their rank and kicked them out of the army because he was a homosexual. And it just amazed me that George Washington had uh, to deal with homosexuality and the way he dealt with it. And the founding father of our nation, the first president of the United States today, man, the homosexual agenda would be on his case and talking about how terrible he was, and yet that was the way it was dealt with back then. Well, I made a reference to that, and we were talking about it, and somebody from Australia wrote in, and I read this email just last night, and they said, oh, I love the way that you and David Barton rewrote history and then he made reference to the fact that drumming people out of the Corps didn't start with George Washington. It happened and he cited some instance. And anyway, my point in bringing this up is that, you know, I don't think that we said this was the only or the very first time it was ever done. We were just citing it as an example that this had been a precedent for hundreds of years in this nation. There was no claim that this was the only or the first time that this was ever done. But this is a tactic that you find the ungodly using very often. They will take what you say, they will pick it apart and analyze it and try and find something to criticize, which in that instance, I don't think that what we were saying was that that was the only time it had ever been done. But even if we were wrong in saying it was when it started, it still doesn't negate the fact, it doesn't change the point that we were making, and that is that 200 plus years ago, George Washington took a stand against uh, immorality and called homosexuality immoral and drummed people out of the army, disgraced them publicly and kicked them out for doing it because it was such an abomination. The point that we were making stands. And so the reason I'm turning over to read this verse is because if I was to quote it and didn't get something right, somebody will come in and start to criticize it. And 
this is just the culture that we live in. People are so offended. They aren't, de- they aren't thinking with their hearts. They already have a prejudice and they are just going to try and find something to gripe about and complain about. So let me turn over and read this verse, make sure I get it exactly correct. It says in verse 9, this is Romans chapter 12, verse 9. It says, um, let love be without dissimulation. The word dissimulation here means hypocrisy. It's an old English word for saying, don't be hypocritical. Let your love be genuine and true. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. So this is the New Testament counterpart to that Old Testament scripture that I read where it says uh, in uh, Proverbs chapter 8 in verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. In the New Testament it says don't be hypocritical, don't be uh, disingenuous, let your love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. There is a place for standing up and hating evil. Now, I'm making a distinction between hating evil and hating the people who do evil. You know, I'm against homosexuality. I'm against abortion. I'm against uh, adultery. I'm against lying and stealing. And yet I have friends that have done every one of those things. And you know what? They're still friends. They were friends before I found out that I'm thinking of some people here that were homosexuals and I still love them. I have not disassociated myself. I've told them that it's wrong. I've told them it's destructive. I've prayed with them. I've helped them to get beyond that and go on. And we've been friends for many, many, many years, even after a homosexual incident. And you know what? I do not hate the people. And there will be people who will misquote me and misuse this. I can't help it if you've got a problem and if you're prejudiced and you're biased. I'm not. I'm telling you the truth. And I am letting my love be without dissimulation. I'm telling people the truth because I love people and want to set them free. I'm telling you that you need to abhor. You need to hate the evil, not hate the person who does it, but hate that evil. You need to hate it and uh, cleave to that which is good. And we have a tremendous amount of Christians today who are being uh, intimidated into saying nothing and doing nothing. And there are even some Christians that think that, you know, it's love to just turn the other cheek. And they'll take scriptures where Jesus said that if somebody smites you on one cheek, turn the other cheek, and they just don't say anything. Well, you know, there's a place for turning the other cheek, but that same Jesus who told us to turn the other cheek also made a cord, uh, I mean a whip out of cords, and beat the money changers and drove them out of the temple. And in the 23rd chapter of the book of Matthew, this same Jesus who was meek and lowly in heart told the scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites, you're whited sepulchers. You're like a grave that is full of dead man's bones. You look like a a cup and a platter that on the outside you're clean, but inside there's all this filth and corruption. And he says, "You, you hypocrites, you vipers, you snakes. The same Jesus who was meek and lowly, it is There is a place for telling people the truth. You know, I run across this in every area of life, but I I deal with a lot of people that they come to me and they are trying to love their children who are in rebellion. And they think that it's love just to let their children basically do anything and everything. And they might say every once in a while, I sure wish you'd consider your lifestyle or they are praying that something will happen, but they won't take their authority and use it. I tell you, there is a place for tough love. 
There is a place for telling people the truth. And before I even get into all of the things I'm going to be saying, I first of all got to defend my right to say it because even Christians have been cowed into this position of thinking that we just ought to say nothing. Again, I refer to the scriptures in, I believe it's uh, Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, you are the, the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. How's this world going to be salted if we don't speak the truth? You know, there's a, a phrase that I've heard quoted so many times, I don't actually know who to attribute it to, but I've heard it attributed to many different people. But it says that all you have to do to let evil prevail is for good men to do nothing. And all we have to do to let the ungodliness that is just making such amazing strides and gaining acceptance and popularity among people, all we have to do to let that continue and accelerate is for those who know the truth to say nothing. Now again, there's a right and a wrong way to say it. And I, to me, the, the dividing line, how I determine whether it's hate speech or whether you are just hating the evil and loving the person, and it's actually love speech. You are motivated to tell a person the truth. You're trying to save their life. The way to really discern whether that's right or not is to look at the motive of your heart. And you know, if you are attacking a person because you hate them and you're wanting to do damage unto them, that's what the scripture uses the word malice. It says nothing should be done with malice. The word malice means intent to hurt. If you were trying to hurt people, if you were trying to shame them, if you were trying to disgrace them, well, then I, that's wrong. And that violates everything that Jesus said about loving your neighbor as yourself. But you know what? If you truly love a person and if the reason you're going to stand up and tell them the truth is because you love them and you believe that what they're doing is damaging, such as homosexuality or such as abortion. It's killing a life and it's actually hurting that person. They're going to deal with emotional, psychological issues after that. If you stand up and tell a person the truth because you love them and you honestly want to help them, if you can truthfully say that you aren't doing this for your own selfish advantage, but you are doing it because you love that person, and if you can communicate that the reason you're speaking out is because you love them and you don't want to see Satan gain access to their life and destroy them. If people can know that you love them, they will accept nearly anything you've got to say. They may not always agree with you. There may be other issues and they may intellectualize it and, and reject what you've got to say. But if you could really prove to people that you love them and it's because you love them that you're speaking the truth, then that would make a difference. And you know what? It's because I love people. And I know that there's people that will disagree with this and there's people that will automatically... You have prejudged me and the moment I cross the line and the moment I say anything that's contrary to what you believe, you are just going to lump me into a category and you're going to dismiss me and it's easy for you to deal with that and you just stay in your little box and don't ever consider anything outside of the prejudice that you've already been taught. But whether you believe it or not, the only reason I'm beginning to make this Christian philosophy part two and speak out on social issues, I'm not doing this for me. This isn't going to gain me a tremendous amount of love and acceptance with people. Matter of fact, there's going to be people come out against me. I'm doing this in the face of whatever results, whatever opposition, whatever the, the uh, end result of it is. I'm going to do this because I believe, number one, that God has laid it on my heart to do this. It's the truth. 
And I do it because I believe God is loving you through me. And I'm trying to tell you the truth. It's the truth that sets you free. And we have not been told the truth. A lot of pulpits aren't preaching the truth because they're afraid somebody is going to claim that they've got over into the uh, secular realm and they're interfering in our social things today, which is totally an invalid complaint. There's a lot of people today that haven't been told the truth. We certainly aren't getting in, in the news media. They are presenting homosexuality as if it is a normal acceptable lifestyle and it is a perversion it's abnormal the health risk the psychological risk everything in the there is not one positive thing nothing positive about homosexuality it is a destructive lifestyle by looking at anybody's statistics we're going to start showing you statistics from the gay and lesbians on survey their own stats that of course they were using to try and show you how pitiful the homosexuals were, how, how maltreated they are, and to sh make you feel p pity for them. But I'm going to take their own stats and show you what they say about themselves, how destructive that lifestyle is. And I guarantee you anybody who is objective will have to realize that from a secular standpoint, this is something that society should not embrace and we ought to take a stand against it. It's a destructive lifestyle. Man, those are some powerful statements that I realize go completely contrary to our culture today, but they are completely consistent with the Word of God. And I'm just trying to get across that I'm saying this because I love you and because I want you to be free and I want our society to be free. This is destructive. It's destroying society. Abortion has killed now right at 50 million children in the U.S. alone. In other places, it's even greater. Did you know, again, if you were to just divorce yourself from even the Scriptures, which to me, the Scriptures is more than enough reason to form my opinion, and I just base it on what God has to say. But even if you don't consider the Scripture, I found out that most people don't let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. But even if you are one of those that the Word of God isn't absolute in your life, if you were to just look at it from the economic standpoint, what would happen in our nation, in the United States of America today, if we had 50 million people over, since 1973? So this has been over 36 years. Many of those people would be in the prime of their life and making money. And you know what? Our economy wouldn't have had what's happened to it, happened to it if we hadn't have aborted 50 million babies. Our social security thing wouldn't be in the crisis that it's in to where we've got the baby boomers that now outnumber the workforce if we had another 50 million people in the workforce. And on and on and on you could go with all of these things. Think about all of the talents. Think about all of the abilities that have been lost. Think about it, how that would affect our culture. You know, even if you are to not consider this from a scriptural standpoint, there are just so many reasons to recognize that a lot of the things that are being promoted and defended and actually trying to advance. Like, uh, let me just pull up one thing I've got right here. Let me read this to you. This is from uh, President Obama, and here are some of his statements on gay pride. He's, here's a statement from President Barack Obama. He says, There are good and decent people in this country who don't yet fully embrace their gay brothers and sisters. Not yet. With the emphasis on not yet. 
And he goes on to say, that's why I've spoken about these issues, not just in front of you, but in front of unlikely audiences, in front of African-American church members. And he goes on to say, there are still fellow citizens, perhaps neighbors or even family members and loved ones who still hold fast to worn out arguments and old attitudes. He is out to destroy what he called the so-called Defense of Marriage Act. And he's out to overturn the don't ask, don't tell thing. And he is just basically trying to make all Americans accept homosexuality and present this as normal and anybody who stands out against homosexuality as being a hate crime. It's just the opposite. It is a destructive lifestyle. People die over 20 years younger if they're a homosexual than if they aren't a homosexual. The depression and the uh, AIDS rate and just everything else increases exponentially. It is probably the most destructive lifestyle that we have, and it is not based on genetics. It is nothing but an absolute choice. It is something that could change in a heartbeat. And I tell you, rather than than people who oppose homosexuality and abortion and immorality in any form being branded as people who are uh, full of hate and hate speech. It ought to be just the opposite. The people who are promoting immorality and promoting all of these things, those are the ones that are actually doing damage to our nation. That actually ought to be considered hate speech. Amen. I know some of you are thinking, man, that's exactly opposite of everything I've heard. Well, that's, again, what the Bible says that in the last days, people will call evil good and good evil. I tell you, the godly way of looking at things has been so perverted that I've had to spend two days basically introdu- introducing this and trying to establish my right as a minister to have a biblical opinion and to say something is right and something is wrong. You know, that's a terrible statement, but it's quite an indictment against our whole society today that we are so afraid to speak the truth, that the Word of God has become so out of style today that you have to sit there and defend believing something that has been believed for hundreds of years and firmly established in Scripture. 